right now at Honda, find your kind of value with a low finance rate offer on selected Civic hatch and sedan models. There's never been a better time to get into a Civic. So talk to your local dealer and let's help you into a Honda today. T's and C's apply. Ends August 31st. See website for details. You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Batuta Advocate News Hour with Errol Parker and myself, Clancy Overall. For those of you outside the Diamantina Shire and listening on the internet, this is episode 13 of our ever-popular podcast. Yes, welcome back to another week of idle chit-chat about the goings-on around town, around the country, and indeed around the world. We have a full show on today. A Hollywood actor is in town and he's in the studio with us right now. But first, we will quickly wrap up what's been happening in town this week. But before that, I think we should address uh, what happened um, on Wednesday night. In town? This Wednesday? Yeah, this Wednesday past. I don't follow. Well, let me fill you and the rest of town in on it then. Go ahead. Wednesday night, long story short, we finished uh, the day shift across the road at the paper. Yeah? You remember that? Yep. Yeah, then you said we should have a few because it's Wednesday and your sister-in-law is in town and she's staying with you. Yes. Yes, she was. Julie left this morning. Anyway, you said she's as mad as a shithouse rat and you can't bear to spend more than 10 minutes around her without feeling the desire to run outside and throw yourself under the passing D49 train. Remember saying that? Yes, mate. The missus is probably listening to this. Go on. Uh, Anyway, we did have more than one cold tin of uh, Desert Liger out there on the deck of the sailing club. And after an hour or two, your wife comes down in the pajero and tells you not to come home at all. She did use some stronger language than that, you know, but it's not really fit for broadcast, however. Yep, I remember that part, and I'm not sure the whole town needs to know about this, Errol, but you seem to be going somewhere. Wrap it up. I think they do, because what you did next helps us plug the studio sponsor here at Desert Rock FM, and it's also quite genius, in the Rain Man sense of genius, that is. What happened? That mango wine we got stuck into after... My uh, <clears throat> lovely wife, Ming, left uh, completely erased my memory, like a magnet does to a videotape, I guess you could say. So what uh, savant-like behaviour? <laughs> so um, so you went inside and you asked to use the landline. Um, from what I've gathered, you, you've rang up uh, Koala Sofas, the, the major sponsor here, and you've ordered yourself one. Uh, and just as you uh, came back out on the deck there, you said, uh, we've got four more hours of... Uh, Hard drinking and yelling at the ducks before the couch turned up. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the right word, mate. Anyway, lo and behold, just before eight that night, the sofa man from Koala turns up to the office and we carried the couch upstairs after not much trouble. I kind of remember this. So anyway, once we get the uh, couch up in the newsroom, we put it together. You know, it only took a minute or two, even for two piss blokes like us. And then you passed out on it and then I went home. Yeah, right, that makes sense. If you do need or want a quality sofa or mattress to delivered to you uh, in four hours or less, provided that you live in a built-up cosmopolitan part of the country, such as North Batuta, then direct your internet search engine to Koala Mattresses and Sofa. Uh, be sure to tell them that the good people at Desert Rock FM sent you. Yes, indeed, and thank you, Errol, for filling in the entire town and many, many other people around the world in my functional alcoholism to other news tony and gil robinson's place burnt down on wednesday as the couple and their three kids were conveniently down in brisbane for the night a crime scene was established after locals reported seeing a young man in a hooded jumper lurking around the premises later that night 
Initially, the reporters thought it was an arson attempt motivated by something more sinister, but a couple of sources have told me that Tony has since been a bit loose around the lips down at the pub last week and told a few people about his genius plan to uh, fund the Renos. Gil's been harassing him about for a while now. Yeah, let's hope his insurance company doesn't get a sniff of it for Tony's sake. Otherwise, he might be in a bit of trouble. And in other news, things should quieten down at the Dolphins' training sessions next week after the first-grade captain and the first-grade fullback went toe-to-toe down at the Royal last night. Yeah, training had been disruptive for a couple of weeks now as the two alphas battled it out in front of their teammates, both verbally and physically, without coming to blows. That was until last night. But it looks like it should all calm down now after the two bucks went at it following a few post-training beers last night at the, uh, at the football club's sponsored pub. The Royal Hotel. Uh, it appears banter may have gone a bit overboard. Yeah, well, the uh, pretty boy fullback of that team, he uh, he had his ego bruised, that's for sure, but there were no real physical injuries to speak of. And from all reports, both men shook hands after the dust off. Well, some might call it toxic masculinity, but uh, up in the Channel Country, we <laughs> refer to it as almost a necessary mechanism to garner the momentum needed to win a premiership. Certainly is, and uh, and uh, the first grade coach told me this morning uh, down at the shopping centre that he's glad it's all over and done with, and the boys can get back to the business of winning the premiership. Yes, and speaking of amateur footballers, people who work while uh, continuing to chase the dreams of playing football for Australia, that might describe today's guests. His name is Luke Bracey. He's come straight from Hollywood. Uh, he's a big fan of the show, big fan of the newspaper. Thanks for joining us. Here we are live from Koala Studios in downtown Batuta. You're listening to Clancy Overall and Errol Parker. We, have a, we have a special guest today. Uh, he's, he's coming through um, the Channel Country after a big week shooting up in, um, actually in Joe Country. Uh, Luke Bracey, Hollywood star, former uh, Australian Home and Away star. Uh, he's been in productions in Australia and overseas for, for many years now. Uh, thank you for joining us. Clancy, Yerald, thanks for having me here in the desert capital. Thanks for coming out, Luke. So you were in Joe country? Kingaroy. Yeah. Peanut world. How was that? Lovely. You know, real lovely, honest country town. Beautiful people. We were, we rocked up with a circus of, you know, 150 people. And, you know, when a town gets that influx of artists, Thespians. creatives, um, you hope, uh, they, they uh, are nice to you, but they were lovely. Uh, really nice people and uh, really accommodating. Yeah, they're good people up there in the big K. Um, Very good people. So what were you doing up there? Were you shooting a movie? or? Yeah, um, started a, a movie called Danger Close about the Battle of Long Tan. Myself, uh, Travis Fimmel, the lead of Vikings, uh, Richard Roxburgh's in it, uh, Dan Weber, young bloke who's doing really well over in Netflix over there in the States. And uh, yeah, just a, a good a good Aussie group of, of, of actors. Yeah. And, and, and the director, Creve Stenders, did Red Dog and done a lot of uh, great movies as well. So it's, you know, a big responsibility for all of us. And, and we've had great interactions with veterans and also current servicemen. And a lot of all our extras on the movie are ex-servicemen or current servicemen. So, you know, to get the nod from those guys has been... Nice, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, let's just give it everything and, and know that we're we're on the right track. So you've done an, uh, another war flick uh, recently, actually, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, what was your character's name there? Brooklyn Boy. Yeah, Smitty Riker. Yeah, Smitty Riker. And he 
And and so in that film, um, there was a lot of Australian extras as well, uh, a lot of Australian actors. Have any come with you to this next one? Um, yeah, we got a, a good mate um, from that movie, uh, Sam Parsonson. Um, had a great little role in, in Hacksaw Ridge, and now he's come on. He's playing Lieutenant Lieutenant Dave Sabin, which is a really important role in this film. And and uh, who else? We got a, another couple of guys that were in Hacksaw actually that have that have found their way into this. And I mean, it's kind of it's really nice to be able to work with nice people. You know, mm-hmm. you're making these movies, you're making for a couple of months at a time at the least. Mm-hmm. And to be surrounded by guys you know and guys that you know are good and guys that you know are in for the team, especially on these movies, you know. Mm-hmm. You've got to have guys that are involved in the team. Especially when there's so many guys yeah, as well. exactly, exactly. You yeah. know, like if you... you everyone's uh, <clears throat> been in a workplace where there's a heap of guys and, and it's and it's quite often not like a footy team. It can quite often be just a bunch of people that don't get along. Yeah, yeah so, especially when there's lots of actors and... Uh, <laughs> creatives in the mix well that I mean I mean the, I, I the dare job say is automatically narcissistic yeah, <laughs> you stand uh, in front of a camera for your living so you just hope that the guys that you're going to work with uh, leave their egos at the door and uh, you know I've been really fortunate with all my jobs actually like I've I've had you know one or two problems with other actors and not necessarily actors or actresses but just people that are you know bring well, their ego to it and it's a bit hard I suppose that the subject matter this time is a bit different. You know, this is a very important part um, in Australia's sort of modern history. The uh, the Battle of Long Tan was um, was uh, our our Gallipoli of the Vietnam War. I believe. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, and then and then getting to meet you know guys that are serving that have served. Yeah. <laughs> and to know that pretend war is is exhausting. Yeah, but it. You're not getting shot at, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah. there's a humbling nature to that. Yeah. I think, which is really yeah, great right. for the guys. I believe there was a Victoria Cross that was won in that battle. I'm not sure. No, the, oh, the, yeah. the real issue with it was that they didn't get the recognition. Yep. You know, like the, I mean, there was a kind of a, the unit got a unit citation for gallantry, and a couple, uh, I think, a couple of guys maybe got awarded stuff and. But the guy who Sam Parsons is playing, we just talked about Dave Sabin. He got given one, and he gave it to another bloke and said, I'm not taking this until our whole platoon, until the whole company yeah, right. gets, gets you know, recognised. Yeah. But it, it was one of those things, like, this was in 1966, and they came back, and there was a parade for them, and it was all right. There was kind of one lady that covered herself in red paint at the parade through Sydney and came out and kind of caused a bit of a stir, but she went away. And it was just before it was turning. Yeah. So they got... But then... Once it turned, they were just back, and then it really went, and everyone forgot what they did. Yeah, right. yeah. And the position when you know the position of when they were there, which was yeah, really tragic actually. Yeah, you know, you got the old boys that were their fathers and stuff like that who served in World War Two, and and you know maybe they didn't recognise them and the public and half of them were just conscripts that didn't have a choice. Yeah, my yeah, old yeah. man was just he was the exact age as these guys, and he was just like his birthday he picked out, mm. and all his mates that he grew up with. That went, you know, they they they're really screwed. Yeah, they didn't have a they didn't, well, and their story wasn't told as well. No, it's never. This is the first Vietnam War movie Australia's ever done. We did one in the seventies that was, I don't know, it was kind of like a mash type thing, mm-hmm. and but this is the first one we've even bothered doing. Yeah, right. Which is kind of interesting. Mm. For yeah, sure. well, it was a very important year in Australian history, I believe. Uh, Nineteen sixty-six. That was the year that um that Harold Holt. Uh, he got kidnapped by the Chinese. <laughs> he uh, 
he did indeed end up in that uh, in that midget submarine. Well, they laid um, claim to those abalone down there on the morning of the peninsula, didn't they? The currency changed from uh, from pounds and pence to dollars and cents on Valentine's Day in nineteen sixty six. So is that just a ploy so the blokes couldn't get their misses any flowers? <laughs> you could say that, um, but yeah, look, it's. I guess that's that. That's probably where the tide turned, you know, because you yeah. had a. Uh, you did have Harold Holt, who was well liked, and then and he was all the way with LBJ, and then we had a very interim, interim government for a bit, and then I guess things started to get a little bit more progressive. You know? Yeah, you well, know? it was. There's been plenty of coming of ages in modern Australia. I guess um, a lot. It depends where people want to say. Um, you know that happened. Maybe it was when we lost a sitting prime minister at sea. Maybe that was the coming <laughs> of age for Australia. Maybe that was uh, a moment Australia doesn't really like talking it's about. Something, too much. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's so fascinating. I mean, I I got a good mate from Melbourne, and he grew up. He learned to swim at the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Pool, and I think that's just one of the greatest Australian things ever. And I tell that's one of the things I tell people about over in the, when I'm overseas. Like, what is Australia like? Well. Our prime minister in the 60s went swimming, didn't come back, and we named a swimming pool after him. Yeah, it's a bit like a rifle range named after JFK. Exactly. Yeah. What, uh, what, what is the go over there with, with Aussies? I mean, we'll get to how you landed in LA um, in, in, shortly, but there is there a bit of a camaraderie? But, you know, there's 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 a, quite a couple uh, doing quite well over there of a you know, similar age group to you, Margot Robbie, um, you know, uh, the Hemsworths. Uh, the Hemsworth triplets. Triplets. Um, <laughs> the tripod of Hemsworths. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, I remember when I first got there and I was hanging around with, like, just the, the people I first knew there mm. were maybe, like, some Aussies and stuff. And and then, you know, I, I, I just gravitated on my own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see there is there is a kind of group there and it's also good, like, there are a couple of good institutions there. You're Australians in film. Yeah. You know, people like that, that, you know, always have a couple of dinners or there's a couple of awards a year and you get to run into some people. But the reality is, if you're working, you're not in LA. Mm. You know, yeah. you're kind of there when you're unemployed. And and so, yeah, I've, I've hung out with a couple, but I just, I went, I moved halfway across the world. Like, yeah. I might as well go meet some people from halfway across the world and kind of forge my own thing and 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 also like there is there can be a little complacency that goes in just because we do the same thing doesn't mean we're mates yeah yeah you know like i've i've got other interests and i'm so saturated by what i do in this business it's like maybe i want to go hang out with a mate who works in a clothing company yeah and who's from texas and then grew up in richmond virginia yeah and become good friends with him that way or, or stuff like that but you know, it's a nice thing to run into it, but it's also, I found it a little claustrophobic. Yeah, right. I found it a bit claustrophobic. And, and, and yeah, because I'd only really done six months on Home and Away, I had the guys I knew from there, and there wasn't that many from there that were over there. So it was just, you know, if I'm hanging out with, it was just because we were doing the same thing from the same country. And I just felt that was a little, I, I, I just found my own way through it yeah, and right. knew that, well, I want to, go this way and, and do what I want to do. I don't necessarily need to go to all the parties. I don't want to get caught up in all that rubbish. I've got an opportunity here. Let me put my head down and, and try and make it. Well, that And that sounds like a cluey idea. I mean, um, coming from Batuta, we have a lot of young kids that try their hand at um, the big smoke, be that Adelaide or Brisbane or even Sydney at times. 
uh, who who do go down and have a bit of fun and uh, maybe get a job. Some don't get a job, but they definitely do have a bit of a party and they burn out and they come back home. Have you seen that happen? Have you seen the cycle of? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's, it's an, a bigger trip to LA, but it's I'm sure an insidious thing. The yeah. same thing. You get in there and the lights are brighter mm-hmm. and there's a lot going on and you get invited to this party and you meet that person and suddenly I think people forget why they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember going over and just going, well, I, I'm going to make sure I don't come back home with a cocaine problem and no money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, I, my family are wishing me the best and my friends are wishing me the best. And what I want to do is succeed. Yeah. And there's a lot of luck involved in that. Absolutely. But, you know, the old saying, luck is opportunity and preparation meeting. I mean, I remember I got a good kick up the bum from my manager one time. Um, my manager man- manages the Hemsworth boys over there and, and I I lived at the at, in the back of his house, in the little guest house at the back of his house for a number of years when I first moved over. And Liam lived there before me and then Chris lived there before him. So mm-hmm. it was this kind of, they kicked some goals and then I was there and I was like, oh, better, <laughs> better kick a goal. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I remember, you know, I was, was going along all right and, you know, I'm a pretty relaxed dude and, and I remember my manager maybe just saw me getting a bit relaxed one time and and he just goes hey come here went, yeah, yeah what's up get a beer and we sat at the back of his house and he got a beer we had a beer and he just goes this is the olympics of what you do remember that <laughs> i went shit yeah you, fuck you're right um there's a literally a million guys who look like me who are trying to do this I better take this fucking seriously. Yeah, right. And I better make sure that I'm here for the right reasons. And if I'm not, go home. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, he saw me the next day. I was doing my push-ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Read my books. Yeah. So I kind of... It was a good kick up the bum. You know, I was like 21 when he said that, you know? Yeah. It was a good kick up the bum. I'm sure there's lots of uh, there's lots of people listening now who um, who are more intrigued as to as to how you actually got from home and away over to your manager's cabana in Hollywood. So cabana is a really <laughs> strong word. <laughs> so, uh, so what was the, uh, the moment when you were like, I'm going to have to book a fucking airplane ticket now and go over? Well, for me, I mean, I did, I did six months. I completely got asked to audition for home and away yep. from random. I, I, I went to school with a bloke and, and played footy with a bloke whose father is a very well-renowned TV producer here in Australia. Produced Love My Way and Secret Life of Us. John Edwards, he's a great bloke. And he just, like, I think I was on schoolies. And I got a call from a random number and I answered it. I was like, hey, Luke, it's John. I'm, hey, John, how are you, mate? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, mate, I'm on schoolies. Is you really lucky I picked up the phone? And he was like, oh, yeah, I've got this show. Maybe you'll be all right to audition for. And I was like, mate, I'm a rugby player and a builder. I was working as a builder for my dad. And... He goes, ah, you're all right. So I came down to Sydney and I kind of did that and didn't think much of it and didn't get that job, obviously. And then, yeah, eight months later, I got a call from the casting agent and they called me up, asked me to audition for Home and Away and I kind of did. I didn't think twice about it. Had you done any acting? I did. I picked drama as a subject in my last two years of high school, but only because I was playing first 40, first 15. I, I just needed a break. We didn't get any... Free, I think we got two free periods a week in year 12, I mean, like Monday at period three. So I got a long recess and like Thursday period three. So another long recess. And our teacher was chill. We used to stare at a candle for the first 15 minutes of a lesson to focus in inverted commas. 
And, oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, the old drama teacher. You know, you know yeah. like it's just like really chill stuff. And it was I never had a trouble. I was always I never had a trouble speaking in front of people. So it was no. I was like, oh, I'll get to uh, the essays will be easy because I can I can write, and the performances will be no dramas either. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I I did this audition for Home and Away and got the job. They called me up the next day, so I got the job. I went, oh wow, shit. I'm gonna, I'm not TV, better tell my dad I'm not working for him. <laughs> mum and dad were on holiday at the time. I called up my old man and said, hey, mate, yeah, so they've asked me to be on telly. Um, I reckon I'm going to do it. And my parents were really great. They went, well, yeah, I mean, why not? I said, yeah, not every day you could ask me on TV. So went for it. And I remember just shitting myself the first day. I had like a three-page monologue to a room full of people. And first thing I've ever done on camera and sitting there going, okay, wow, shit, fuck, this is real. Mm. And everyone coming in going, oh, you're the new bloke, got the big speech today. Went, oh, fuck. And <laughs> I'm just sitting there and they go kind of pictures up, rolling. I went, fuck, I guess the camera's on. Like, I guess I'll go when they say action. That's not what they're doing yeah. in the movies. <laughs> action. And I just like, I remember just like the, the kind of stress kind of left me. I just went, oh, if I fuck up, we'll do it again. And yeah. it'll be all right. And I got through it. And that first day went all right. The second day, I kind of understood it a bit more. Like, oh, okay, if I think what this guy's thinking then they'll see it and that's kind of acting in a way and then the third day someone reminded me i was getting paid and i went fuck shit that's right i'm getting paid heaps yeah <laughs> well compared to you know what, what my mates were doing and and working in bars and stuff this is great and from there i did six months on that and some agents called the network and and i sat down with a few and and, and met one guy mark morrissey is an absolute legend who just said look you've got a good head you've got a good voice you do this, 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 and this. There's no reason you can't go all right in the States. I think Chris Hemsworth had just got his part as like in Star Trek, mm-hmm. like Captain Kirk's dad yeah, or something, yeah, like yeah. 10 minutes at the start. So it was like, hey, I've got a bloke over there who just got in a big movie kind of thing. And so I was like, all right, you know kind of what you're doing. And did what he said for for five, six months. And then an audition came through for, for this rom-com Monte Carlo. I did that. And Mark said he liked the audition. I said, I'm oh, glad you like it, mate. I hope the Yanks like it. Yeah. Week later, yeah, mate, they loved it. Right. Week after that, and who are you working with? Monte Carlo. Um, that was with that was a like teenage rom com for Fox with Selena Gomez and Leighton Meester and hey, uh, rest in peace, Corey Monteith was a great bloke. Yeah, right. I was really sad when I found out that he passed away actually because he's a really lovely guy. Um, Katie Cassidy, a couple other, you know, that kind of thing, and it was just you know, I'd, suddenly I was in Budapest and Paris and Monte Carlo for a summer yeah. getting paid as twenty year old. Shit, after that I went, okay, better move to the States. Yep. Kind of got the invite in a way. Yeah. I was lucky that I did one before I went over there. So you didn't have to do a pilot season. You didn't have to run. No, I kind of went straight into movies. And and this was actually before the whole streaming thing as well. This is when it was pilot season, where the studios pumped out all these pilots and like 1% of them got picked up. And people would go over for three months and just do 20 auditions a day, a week. And, you know, I was kind of lucky. I just sat back and really concentrated on movies. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of funny. I saw a couple of people, Aussies and stuff like that, taking all these auditions. Oh, I've got all these auditions. I go, well, which ones are you right for kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Why work smart, not hard. So it's like it's a double thing because it's a double-edged sword. You've got to be uh, lucky enough to get the audition for, for one of these pilots. Yeah. And then you've got to be lucky enough that the studio gets picked up. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you could yeah. you could have that euphoric moment of getting the lead role in this new lawyer drama about a yeah. guy that, you know, is nocturnal and is actually a vampire or some shit <laughs> like that. And 
then it doesn't even get picked up. So it's yeah, exactly right. You don't, you don't celebrate until you're actually on set. No, no, and, yeah. and even even when you're on set for the pilot, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like right. yeah, it's it's brutal. It's brutal over there. With the way they used to do it. Now, actually, for actors, there's a lot more content. Yeah. There's so much going on. So it actually is. You're seeing people getting stuff for Amazon and Netflix. Apple's doing stuff. They got eight hundred billion dollars in the in their skyrocket, yeah. waiting to spend it on content. And it's like, it's massive. I think Netflix just became the bigger than Disney. Yeah, and they own Star Wars and ESPN. Yeah, yeah, and yeah right. Marvel. You know, it's it's kind of it's really kind of changed the past couple of years. Well, it's open markets, hasn't it? It's yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, accessible yeah. to more people than really than a movie or a HBO. And also, like, you got like that was commercial television. The pilots, you know, you got yeah. you got to sell ads. You got to have a certain show. You know what I mean? You can't swear. You can't have this. You yeah, can't have yeah, that. Right. That kind of stifled a bit of creative stuff that people wanted to see. So, if you're listening to this now, then I guess it's probably no better time to to head on over. Well, yeah, I mean. Everyone's heading over there. Um, you got to risk it to get the biscuit in a way, but also yeah. for me, I I got kind of invited. I mm. kind of got that little. I'd done a movie before I went over there, and it it is a bit of a party. You get the invite, and then that means you can walk to the to the to the party, and mm. then you got to stand in the line at the party. Mm. Then maybe you get to the front of the line at the party. Mm. Then maybe the bouncer checks your ID and says you're all right, mate, and you walk in, and then mm. you get a foot in the door. And then suddenly you get two feet in that door, and then suddenly you get to walk into the party, and then yeah. suddenly you get to order a drink at the party, and then, then you suddenly get, then you get king are... hit from behind, and you're uh, exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure it's happened that I mean, there's been oh, plenty, there's been plenty of kids that got that foot in the door um, and probably burn out. I'm sure, and you and you like you said before, you you you've, you've concentrated on not just being at a party. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You you know, you, people can get to the party, and and then suddenly. Oh, look at me. Woo! Yeah. And it's like, who's that new guy over there who's put, kicking up a stink? And also, yeah. like, it, it's changed so much. The industry, I hear stories from old blokes about, you know, even the 90s and the 80s, obviously. And just, there's no room for assholes in yeah. the business anymore. People, it's money. It's mm. show business. It's not yeah. show fun. If yeah. you're not rocking up to work on time, if you are an asshole, you know, people yeah. just won't hire you. It's a small business in that way. Like travel money, like word spreads really easily in that business. And if you're not good to work with and you take up more money than you should and money is time in that business, then you don't, you don't get yeah. jobs. And so you kind of cut your teeth on Monte Carlo. Home and away, I cut my teeth. Yeah, cut your teeth yeah. on home and away. Then you, in terms of international yeah. kind of or film production anyway, you went Monte Carlo. Where from there? What was the next kind of sliding I, door moment? I did I did Monte Carlo and then I was over there kind of pounding away and then I got um like I did some work with uh this movie that still hasn't kind of come out yet and who knows if it will. This is a really small independent with this this guy named Janusz Kaminski who's Steven Spielberg's cinematographer. Right. It's been Steven Spielberg's cinematographer since Schindler's List. Yeah, right. So and he's this like really, really amazing dude. And I did a little independent with him and then suddenly I got an audition and I don't know how I got it, but I got an audition to play Cobra Commander in G.I. Joe Retaliation. Mm -hmm. And huh. I did it and I was like, okay. And I did that audition and I got the job and basically my job was... How old? You would have been 23. I was 21. 21. 21. And I got sent down to New Orleans for four months and I had oh, a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of days of work a week. And I mean, one one 
two week stretch was really hard where I had like this horrifically burnt face and it was five hours in makeup in the morning and an hour taking it off and that was pretty brutal. I read scripts really different after that one. Like, <laughs> oh, he gets horrifically burnt on page three, does he? Mm, is it going to get me an Oscar? Well, well, well at, <laughs> at least you were old enough to enjoy the place though. Yeah, exactly. I, I, exactly. I was just perfectly yeah. old enough to enjoy the joint and go around and that kind of gave me a little insight into how the big ones go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is a big one. Yeah. All right, this is 150 million bucks. Yeah. We're filming at the NASA assembly plant outside of New Orleans, yeah. and I'm doing lines opposite Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, right. There's a helicopter in the background. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> so you, don't fuck up. You, and you were also <laughs> trying to keep fit, too. Like, yeah. So you're drinking... What? Oh, no, not not on that one. No. I was still young and still like just having a great time. I didn't have... I had a, I had a trench coat and a and a mask on the whole time so right. I didn't really have to look that great so I, that was really the first time in my life I put on weight yeah. I got to the end of it and I looked down and went oh fuck I yeah. was going back to Australia in three weeks for, for Christmas I went shit I'm not going back to Australia looking like this I ate salads and skip rope for three weeks and, yeah. oh, okay back to normal. summer 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 in the beaches summer bodies are made in winter baby <laughs> yeah um, and so that was that was another one and then and then from that I think that that kind of came out maybe 2013 and I did Movie called uh, what did I do in 2013? I did November Man. Yep. With Pierce Brosnan, which was another step up. I actually did a pilot before that. Actually, that never got picked up. Then I did this audition for November Man. You know, you get the email through, and it's like Pierce Brosnan, Spy, you're his protege. Roger Donaldson, the direct, is directing it. He's done some amazing movies, No Way Out and stuff. Mm. One of my favorite, like spy yeah. twist dramas, and um, and so my agents played it really well and kind of. You know, I managed to find out that the pilot wasn't going to go and then got over to Serbia and made this movie. And that was another big one, you know, because mm-hmm. then I was suddenly playing opposite Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. with my face. Yeah. And I did have to take my shirt off. Oh, that's another level of responsibility. Yeah. Okay. I'm here in Serbia. It's a good time. Make sure you enjoy the experience. But there's a job to do. Yeah. And you work it against one of the best yeah. at playing Spy Band. Okay. Mm-hmm. Learn from him. Yeah. What has he got to say about it? You know, stuff like that and be a bit of a sponge. Yeah. That's kind of one of the And ones. And do sit-ups and shit. Yeah. And, you know, like know that, oh, maybe I can't go out and have 10 beers this weekend. Yeah. yeah maybe I've got to actually drink some waters for a couple of weeks. One blacks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that's what Pierce was doing? Uh, Pierce, it's like, it's funny working with, with people <laughs> like Pierce and, and I've worked with other guys like Ray Winstone as well who've done it. And I talked to Pierce and... Pierce, what are you looking for in a movie now, mate? And he goes, location and days off. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you're a legend. You've yeah. done, he's like, he's like, I've done my work. Yeah. Like I've, I've yeah. done my hard stuff. And, and now he doesn't I'm seem looking... to age either. Old no, he does. He's a loveliest bloke as yeah. well. He's like yeah. this really calm Zen mm. master. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I got a place in Kauai. I got a place in Malibu. I got a place in London. And my well, family is my BMW. life. They were BMW bonds that era. That was when they had they the cars. Were, yeah. they, that was yeah. when they first had special um, effects too. Yeah, exactly. He was the big like he kind of that those were kind of the precursors to these like superhero ones now where it's like, oh we're gonna get some green screen. Yeah. And we're gonna see what how big we can go. Yeah. Let's have him surfing a massive yeah. wave with a kite. Well, legend. He, he he was also the first one that wasn't English since uh, since since George Lazenby. Always I mean, I well, if you're gonna call was, Connery um, English, that's a big thing for the Scots. No, well, there's George Lazenby who yeah. who was that in the 
Yeah, that's one of the things. That's the that's the dream for Where's me. P- Where's he from? He's Irish. He's Irish he's and Irish. like Irish Irish or North Irish. No, he's um, he's Irish Irish. He's Irish. Right. No, but George Lazenby, he was from Queenbian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. There was him and Mark Wemmer and Omar Musa. <laughs> George kind of paved the way. It's the dream for me to play James Bond. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. That'd be the ultimate. All right, absolutely. That's a call out. Hugh Jackman got a look in there. Pre-Craig, I reckon. There was yeah. a lot of hype around that. Britney would have. I yeah. reckon there's another iteration. There's another four or five movies before I'll get a look in. Yeah. Even start to get a look in, I think. You reckon there'll be well, a black one before you, Idris? I reckon Idris Elba would be sick. Yeah. Well, I reckon I reckon that'd be super cool. If you read there's the like books, There's like so though, many storylines you can do with that. Mm-hmm. So many storylines. If you read the books, though, like... Um, like in the first one by Ian Fleming there, uh, Casino Royale, the, the description that he gives um, uh, for James Bond is more of a, a David Mitchell type character <laughs> where um, he's very rough around the edges. He's, he's quite portly. Oh, Mick um, Malloy. Mick Malloy. <laughs> he's losing his hair. So if these studios go back to... Um, back to the canon. Would you be prepared to disrespect your body and... And become right. the next James Bond? Oh, absolutely. I'd do to have anything to be James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Yeah. That's the call out. I would. It'd be sick. Yeah. It'd be really sick. I um, actually, like, when we were doing Hacksaw Ridge, Mel came up to me between takes. Mel Gibson, sorry for dropping that name. I'll pick that up. <laughs> um, uh, Mel Gibson came up to me between takes and said something like, hey, when... When they ask you to be James Bond, you should do it. And I was like, well, I bloody hope so, mate. Your lips to the big fella's ears. I think yeah. he, you must have a hotline to him. Yeah. Um, and he said, and tell him, tell him I'll direct it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I just like, I got, off, got off set that day. I called my, called my, my agents and my manager in, in the States and went, yeah, guys, uh, Mel just said this. So that's just for your pocket. And let's just keep that in the universe somewhere. You know. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, you get, you know, to get that kind of, Nod from Mel. It's like, well, okay, um, maybe I'm doing something all right, actually. Yeah. So you worked with Mel on uh, on on Hacksaw Ridge, did you? Yeah. Yeah. So how was that experience? Because that was back, you know, after Mel was done hugging the cactus, and he was back, and and he was making money. He was back. Actually, that was an independent movie. Actually, no one punted on it. Really? Yeah, that wasn't a studio pick. Well, fuck they me. They still don't. There they still go. don't. They still. Well, there weren't any Americans in it. No, I mean we just—it's show business, not yeah. show fun, baby. Yeah. You know, so there was Vince Vaughn, Mel, Vince Vaughn, and- Andrew Garfield, but Andrew Garfield's half English. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then the rest, yeah, the rest were Aussies. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, it was awesome working with Mel. You know, intimidating. You know, you. Yeah. You, my favorite movie is Braveheart. You know, mm. Braveheart and Gladiator. And yeah, it's intimidating when you walk in there. I was lucky that. The second unit director, on, I just done Point Break, and the second unit director on that has been Mel's second unit director since Braveheart, and it was his stunt double from Lethal yeah. Weapon onwards. So he knew him, and I talked to him, "Hey, I'm doing this thing," and he just kind of gave me the down. Like he's a lovely guy; he really yeah. is a lovely guy, and like don't be intimidated. He got you for a reason, and be confident in that. And that was kind of nice to hear before you go and. But still, you had to walk into a room with Mel to talk about this character, and he just knows everything about making movies and telling stories and he knows everything about the character he's written it right? exactly yeah. Yeah. I mean he's got a well he's rewritten it. it yeah he's, exactly he's and researched so, it then written yeah. it but mm. he just comes in he's just the nicest guy yeah. he really has a heart the size of Farlap and yeah, yeah. is just and also so collaborative hey if you want to build a Harley Davidson in this scene just justify it and I'll let you do it you know and like <laughs> okay well that kind of gives you room to do what you do and 
that that conf- he does instill this confidence in you mm-hmm. that you didn't think you had. You know, you come up maybe between in some things and just be like, hey, just be Steve McQueen, and you're like, wow, he thinks I can do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shit, yeah, okay, all right, no worries. You know, it's this strange confidence that he gives you, even though he is an intimidating person to be around. Now, the um, the the what you've just been saying in a, in a few examples is, you know. He's a cinematographer. He's worked with him before, and the guy that was doing that was working with him. Yeah. Do you find that it's um, pretty similar to what you were kind of doing, or what your old man does uh, down in Sydney in the um, kind of you know it's it's not what you know you know getting jobs. You, what's your old man? Uh, he, my old man does uh, home improvements. He does PVC cladding and aluminium windows. Yeah, gutter yeah. spacious ease. There's a lot of windows. word of mouth, and there's a yeah, lot of, yeah, exactly. And that my dad's always one thing I learned because I were, I was going to take over my dad's business i was going to go to university do a construction degree maybe expand it a bit but basically that was what i was going to do and growing up you know it's a home business the office was in the garage of our house and my mom did the books and just knowing kind of how my dad ran his business was really great because he, he, he hasn't he's been doing it since 1968 and he hasn't had one insurance claim right. against him yeah. You know what I mean? It was like one of those things. Like every time he went out to give someone a quote, he was there absolutely on time. Yeah. There's these little things that I learned from him just in terms of if you just do a good job and are a nice bloke and don't try and rip anyone off, that goes a long way in this world. Mm. It really does. And there, my dad does this thing with his business where he goes, like, how many builders do you know? Like my dad goes up, gives them the quote, and then hands them a list of the last 300 jobs he's done with their names, phone numbers, and addresses. Yeah. Like, that's how confident he is yeah, right, in the right, work right, he's right. done and like and you know the how the how he's treated his customers and stuff like that and so people kind of i think they give him the job halfway after that you know when someone's builder is going to give you their last 300 jobs they've done yeah they're pretty confident in what yeah, they yeah, do for sure they're not going to screw you around so kind of learning that you know that's just good parenting in a way mm. um but yeah learning that knowing yeah it's it comes around it comes around be nice to the people on the way up because you'll meet them all on the way bloody down yeah <laughs> and but then it sounds like you've got a good little uh, thing to slot into if you ever get b- blacklisted before that all you were going to play rugby yeah you were going to play for the wallabies that was the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. No, I, I started playing. Well, I started playing rugby league when I was three. Yeah, and I don't think you can do that anymore. No, because I played under sixes for three years. Contact? <laughs> no, absolutely. At three? Yeah, yeah. It you, was, can, you can do that in the Channel Country, but probably not down in the not down, yeah. not down in Sydney anymore. I'm not sure you're even allowed to tackle until you've got your P plates now. I don't think. <laughs> Certainly not a lot of head high anymore. Oh, your T plates, you know. The... <laughs> yeah, and I, I yeah I played played <sighs> then, when I was three. And went yeah. down. I remember the first time I got the ball. I um, you play mini footy across the field. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. play sideline to sideline. The ones that they trot in before a big match as exactly, well at, exactly. the, at the footy stadium. Yeah. And I, I got the ball, and the first time I got the ball, I ran to the big post and put it on the big post. And I'm like, I was stoked, and everyone's like, "Nah, mate." You watch too much TV. Watch too much TV. <laughs> but no, I played. Yeah, played footy. Played a lot of rugby league, and then I went to a high school that played union. Yeah. Right. And started playing union there, and. I was lucky to play. I, you know, in in primary school, I played representative stuff. I played like New South Wales PWSA when I was in year six, and got a big win up against you Queenslanders when I was in that national championship. Thank you very much. Uh, and then uh, pre Quake Cooper, <laughs> and then and then moved on to high school and, and got to play some representative stuff at the end of high school. You you know, I got to play New South Wales schoolboys and stuff, and kind of uh, shadowed a squad of the Australian schoolboys and stuff like that, and then. I played. We call it probable, probable impossibles. Yeah, well, it was in, in case three of them got injured, I would have got in. You know? Yeah, right. Um, 
And then I played Colts coming out of school in the Sydney competition and kind of just had this revelation that if, I, if this all goes really well for me, how it's supposed to be going, I won't see Europe in the summer until I'm 30 something. Yeah. And that was a bit of like, I've been playing this game for 16 of my 19 years. Yeah. And is that what life's about in a yeah, way? Right. And, and I, I remember being kind of physically um, and and kind of creatively stimulated by it. I yeah. got to play halfback or 5'8". Creatively, I was stimulated. And physically, it was good. But kind of intellectually, I wasn't quite there. And I, and I, I wanted to learn a bit more about the world and, and just about stuff. I just have got a bit of a curious mind. And then, yeah, just this acting thing fell on my lap. And, I, you know, I, I, I just took it and I went, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, I'd already shook hands with another club to go get a bit of money and play for them. And they had a bit of a plan for me to get to the Waratahs in a year or two and stuff like that. And, yeah, I just got this opportunity. I mean, I'm silly if I don't do this. Yeah. I'm so silly. I, like, the world is bigger than this part where I know. Mm -hmm. And I want to go and see that. Right. And I want to go and explore that. And, yeah, it was just... Do you think that comes from having an English mother? You were saying yeah, before, English yeah, mother. Yeah, my, my, my beautiful mother. Yeah, and I think it's a typically Australian thing as well. We all go out there and go. But I just think, I, for me, I kind of I had, I, I knew that there was more out there and that I I wanted to go and see it and give it a pump. Yeah, right. I knew, like, I knew I could do this rugby thing, but I didn't know if I could do the other thing. And yeah, I wanted right. yeah. to see if I could do the other yeah, thing. Right. Yeah, right. I wanted to see this thing that had been the center of my life for the absolute majority of it. All I dreamed of was doing playing was playing footy. So are you going to produce the Manly Seagulls salary cap scandal movie? No, I'd rather produce the 2008 40-0 <laughs> grand final triumph. Thank you very much. So you're a halfback, were you? Yeah, played halfback. In the 15-man aside. In the, in, towards the end of my career, I was a 15-man aside, man. So, hypothetically, um, you'd be in Nick Phipps' shoes by now. He's a good mate at the show. Do you reckon Nick Phipps had swap places with you now or or do, do you think he'd rather get you know beaten up for a living by look I, I can't answer for Nick but I can answer for myself and I wouldn't change places it's much easier pretending to be a tough guy <laughs> much yeah. easier do you did you ever play with any of those guys in I, the Wallabies now I played against Nick um, um, very good mates grew up and playing Played footy with Sam Carter, the captain of the Brumbies. Uh, Nick White, he used to play for the Wallabies. He yep. was my reserve halfback in New South Wales schoolboys. So I remember when I saw him playing for the Wallabies, I kind of had this bit of like, ooh, I could have one of those gold jerseys, I reckon, if I stuck <laughs> with it. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's much easier just pretending to be tough. But is the training any easier? Like... Uh... I don't think so. Like it really has kind of turned into this professional sportsman kind of idea as being the kind of male lead movie kind of guy. Um, you got people like Hugh Jackman kind of really changed the game when he was playing Wolverine. If you look at the photos of him playing Wolverine for the first time, it just looks like a regular bloke. Yeah. And now yeah. him, he's like, it's, it's not human. And you got Hemsworth as well, Chris, who, is not playing a human being. You know, these yeah, are guys that yeah. aren't human beings in the movie. And everyone's sitting there going, is that what a man looks like? like well, no. That's what a superhero looks like. That's what a superhero looks like. That's yeah. what a cartoon character looks like that we've then put on the screen. And it's one of those things where 
I feel that responsibility a bit as well. Like I, I, I did a movie, Best of Me, which is this, you know, Nicholas Sparks. So was this, was this uh, pre? It was pre Point Break. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I done November Num. Man. And then I come back and I got this Nicholas Sparks movie and it's like the Nicholas Sparks is the guy that did the notebook and stuff. Same yep. thing, you know, guy from the wrong side of the tracks, girl from the right side of the tracks, yeah. South of America. He's the author, right? Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Author. Yeah. Someone dies. Yep. A couple of people die. A lot of tears. War. Happy go. Um, and I got a, I got down to that and pre-production on that and they, they might've seen me a bit and they went, Luke, we've got this trainer for you. Actually, we're going to bring on town. And I went, okay, right. And so this guy came down. I still work with him, Michael Giordani. He's a great bloke. This 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 French dude. He's just he was world champion kickboxer and stuff like that. No nonsense. And I remember sitting down with him. He goes, okay, you can't. You got to eat what I give you, and you got to do what I say exercise wise. He'll be there training with me, but you got to you can't eat anything else other than what I give you for four weeks. Yeah. I went, okay. Can I have a drink? He goes, no. Nah. No alcohol for four weeks. I went, really? Like, not even like a vodka or like a white wine? He goes, no alcohol. No. And I was 24. And I remember going, okay, I've been drinking probably since I was about 14. Yeah. And if I can't remember the time I've had four weeks off without a beer since I was 14, I've got to do this just for me as a person if I can't take four weeks off the piss at 24 there's Mm -hmm. something wrong Mm -hmm. and my life is not going to be where I want it to be and I'm not going to be the person I want to be if I can't do that and so I I mean I had a huge motivation you're going to take your shirt off on film it's there forever so that's a great motivation don't get me wrong but it was also a big thing just for me Mm -hmm. like okay yeah do it and and I did that and it was I was really proud I was in New Orleans for that film as well which is the most fun town in the world I love it and I managed to have an epic time and not have a drink for four weeks. And it so was not amazing. even milk. You're not you're realistically. What are you drinking? Like water and water, black coffee. Water and black coffee. Water and black coffee. I remember he goes, "You can't." I go, "Can I have a cappuccino?" He goes, "No, nah, no cappuccino, no sugar, black coffee." I went, "Shit, all right." And I had black coffee the first day. I was like, "Oh, it tastes like shit." <laughs> and then the second day, I was like, "Oh, I got to get through it." The third day, I woke up and went. I want one of those black coffees. It was the first time <laughs> coffee was a drug for me. Yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, learning curve that way in terms of how to be a man, yeah, how yeah. to be an adult. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's like you never, no one ever tells you when you're growing up, the, there's not one day where you become an adult. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, no one tells you that. You yeah. just suddenly you're 20 something and you've yeah. got responsibilities. And you're living in the hotel just, rooms. Fuck, yeah, and you've got responsibilities. You're like, shit, what It's a bell curve of, of, of one mistake after another. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And preferably feel, not the same mistake. Is yeah. that, you, you know, you, you tend to make your, your, your worst kind of mistakes on the way up and then there's always one main one and then you learn from that main one and then it's all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> you learn from it, but uh, there's no more going up. <laughs> And you yet to make that mistake. Obviously, careers in um, full trajectory. You, as you said before, had a few things going on. You could have worked in construction. You could have potentially played for the Wallabies. Nick White did. You could have, um, you know, you probably could have done that. Rugby league wise, your family are diehard manly. Yeah. You, so which part of the, which part of Sydney are you from? Your Northern Beaches. So I'm from the Northern Beaches. I grew up. My my father was born in Fairfield. But then moved to Freshwater Harbord when he was about seven right. and grew up there his whole life. And I was born in Freshwater, in Manly Hospital, and grew up in Freshwater. And my dad, I mean, I grew up going down the beach and, you know, seeing Max Whitehead 
who was Manly's first captain, who Chesty Bonds yeah. is modelled after. Right. And, you know, Dad telling me the whole thing. I used to get coached by Fred Jones, who was Manly's first ever premiership winning captain. And, you know, not first ever, but like a premiership winning captain for Manly and, and, you know, Cliff Lyons coached my touch team and stuff like that. And you boys talked to Cliff the other day. Great yeah, bloke, isn't yeah. he? Well, he was one of our first actual interviews on the podcast, uh, Cliffy Lyons. Number three on the one that went out um, around the country. And Cliffy actually... It was interesting to see Cliffy when we walked through the Manly uh, Manly Vale. Oh, the reverence that is just yeah. Well, it's just it, yeah. You know, walking, to, it, it's you know, it's an experience that uh, it, it's, that you remember is walking through with Cliff Lyons past the Lions Den. Yeah, exactly. And um, and you know, everyone in the TAB turns around and goes, "Hey, Cliffy, how you going, Cliffy?" Nod, nod, nod. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he would have paid for a beer. No, um, he hasn't played for a beer at that place for in 20, quite a long time, thirty something years. <laughs> So you you were your family involved in the club? Well, involved. My uncle played. My uncle played in the. I think I think he played in the Presidents Cup in like 1968. Won the grand final. Broke his arm in that. I got his jersey from that. Um, we were involved in the club. You know, a lot of manly junior rugby league. You know, I played for Harbour Devils for 13 years uh, or 10 years, and then I was went to high school when I was 13. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I played. I played all round there, and my father was one of the guys that started Valley United, which is a big club there. And you know, uh, uh, it's just it's just in the blood, in the way that rugby league is, mm-hmm. and especially on the insular peninsula. <laughs> you know, like we are diehards. You know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's a siege mentality over there. Everyone hates us. Yeah, well, we hate you too. Yeah, and so, you only hate us because we're good. So I guess it's safe to say that you do bleed the maroon and. Cerise. Maroon and white. Right. Maroon um, and white. And then there's and then there's a coming up to deep um, vein of blue. to to <laughs> to uh, a very important uh, couple of months in the in the NRL calendar. Huge. It's the first time I've been in the country for this important important couple of weeks for since I left in two thousand and ten really. It's huge. Well, I can't wait. What are your thoughts? Where do you think the blues are at? Look, I, I, I've been calling for Jimmy the Jet for a couple of years, um, which I think is a great thing. I, Jimmy, for me, he's got that X factor that someone like Stevie, the Pearl Renouf had, where it was, okay, he can score from anywhere. And once he gets out there, the, oh, Brett Dallas, I remember as a kid growing Nagus, up. Like, Nagus was like that yeah, too. Yeah, like when the Queenslanders got a little sniff and they're off. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think New South Wales has that. This team, I love this team. Mm-hmm. I really love this team. Um, I think that we have a youthful exuberance, but also a respect for the history. You know, and finally you, some blackfellas. Exactly. We, we reported on today. Ado Carr, the fox, man. I'm so keen for him. Actually, one of the boys in our film, in Danger Close, that we're filming at the moment, Aaron McGrath, he's cousins with the fox. Right. And right. we were talking to him a couple of weeks ago, and he was just, yeah, that's my cousin. I went, that's epic. Yeah. That is so <laughs> epic. He's going to play New South Wales this year. That's amazing. How do you feel? And, you know... It's the one. Th- it's the one thing I always. The only people I ever get starstruck by are sports stars. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And like you see these people, you know, to meet even just to meet the fox's cousin. I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think we're looking good, man. I, I mean, it's one of those things. But I was sitting there with my old man last night watching it all unfold, and you blokes, you Queenslanders, are in the exact position you always love to be, and you finally actually the underdogs mm-hmm. for the first time in oh, 10 yeah. years and we're all sitting there going look we got Latrell, we got Jimmy the Jet look at Turbo's killing it like and now you guys are like okay we're just going to be real quiet yep. and we're going to 
put on that maroon jersey. No, yes. And we're gonna fa- we're gonna fake a like a, a pivotal oh, injury at the oh, camp. No, yeah. there'll be a bug go through the camp. Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. There's a bug going through that camp, and Ben Hunt's been struck down, but he's gonna make it. Mark oh, yeah. my words, Ben Hunt is gonna come down sick. And then he's going to come back and, and, and play, play... Spinal scare. A spinal a injury. spinal it, scare. <laughs> if you ask me, I reckon that the, the Maroons will be down by three points in the dying stages of game three, the decider, and then in will come Cameron Smith <laughs> from the roof, <laughs> like Owen Hart they'll or like, Sting. You know? Owen Hart. They'll have, a, they'll have a smash of glass. <laughs> And then he'll run out with a sledgehammer. Yep. Sorry, just doing my tax. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm always worried about the Queenslanders. Always. You should, and that and that's the thing that I, in saying that, I think New South Wales has this. I think we have that great mix of young blokes that can do it. Mm-hmm. And that the this is our first competent team in a while. So I think Gal came out in the paper today and was like, Oh, I would have picked Fergo and 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 Dugan. It's like, mate, we picked them for ten years, yeah, dude. Yeah. We picked them for yeah. the last five. No, 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 we're not picking them. Did you see the Broncos Roosters game the other day? Yeah, Latrell against Jimmy the Jet. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look what they can do, and and I just think there's this there's this fresh start. I love Freddie as well mm-hmm. as a coach. Like he's got this he's got this real kind of aura around him that is intense but also relaxed as well he's got that perfect mix of like when to turn it on and when to know where we are and who we stand as and our position in the game you know we're not there yet and new south wales always do this we always have this little bit before this is our year this is our year but i think for the first time in 13 mm. we really believe it we well did re- Fafita no, we really get a start it. no he didn't no. see Fafita was last year sitting there as a queenslander watching that match that first match where Fafita was just eating meters i thought that's something that we haven't experienced before as Queenslanders is actual forwards. Yeah, but now we've got a couple, mate. We've got yeah. Clemmer and Campbell Gillard, mm. mate. They can't be stopped. Nice little Eshe from Western Sydney. You'll see how he goes down. He's, um, he's Did you see that, just that bit? It was like a post game. They're in the sheds after the doggies won. This might have been a couple of years ago. And there's this bit where they're all doing the team song and then they're having a, a bit of you know a dance around you. And then they've circled around and Clemmer's walked in the circle and he's like faked, like flipping a dinger. <laughs> up into the air and catching it with his mouth and then just his buzzers and, and then gabbering yeah. and then he starts gabbering it's yeah. like wow that's yeah. an intense guy to go see at a rave yeah, yeah. six foot six 120 kilogram Dave Clemmer yeah you'd stay out of his way <laughs> he does that in the Red Rooster car park <laughs> yeah no that's it no, the, the, it, it's going to look like a good match this year I, th- I think I, I think I think as well you know it's going to be We've got to pre as much as we got all the points in this team. We got so many points in this team. We gotta be willing to win six four. Mm-hmm. We gotta like that's that gotta be our mentality as well. Like, hey, if we don't go, if we don't score twenty points in the first half, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. We've got it in us. Yeah. Believe in ourselves. Believe in our defense. And also, growing up when I was playing footy, if my if I was tackling well, I was playing well. Yeah. And I think Freddie, that's going to be his thing. It's just going to be defense, defense, defense. We don't, you know, what are you going to do in eight days with these team? You're not going to teach them a new structure. You know, you're not going to teach them new, brand new plays. It's like, guys, tackle yeah. and you'll win. And I think that's what Queensland's done for a long time. They're like, what, what amazing set plays of Queensland have? No, it's been tackle and execute, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and there's also been different ways of Queenslanders too, different waves. Sorry, we've had... You know, Bowen down to, you know, what they've been running with the last few years. 
Papali. Papali's pretty good. Mm. I'm, yeah. Even if the poor bugger did report himself for drink driving. I can't, Was that Papali? I can't believe that. He drove home drunk, sat in the car in his driveway and called the cops and said, I've just drunk drove. They came and breathalyzed him and then he got a suspension. I was like, mate, I'm going to say good on you for being honest, but there is a little element of if you've already done it, don't. Yeah. Don't get yourself yeah. suspended. There's being honest and then there's being honest, you know. <laughs> there's being stupid. <laughs> I didn't realize he did that. Yeah. That's big. He's a good boy. He's well, that's, boy. that's it. He's a good boy. He's a nice guy. And he went, you know what? I'm going to have to repay here, do my 50 Hail Marys and be on with it. Now, what else is on the cards outside of um, Long Tan? Outside of Long Tan, I actually, uh, I'm, I've got a couple of irons and a couple of fires for post-summer in the Northern Hemisphere. There's a couple of kind of big movies that I, I'm really trying to grab and I might have an inside track on. I'm not sure if I should put the jinx on them mm-hmm. and say them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I am a bit of a suspicious guy, a, a, a superstitious they, guy. Are they bigger than Point Brank? Uh, which yeah, yeah, one of them is bigger, and the other one is yeah, probably bigger as well. Um, but also, I've got my girlfriend's Swedish, mm-hmm. and uh, she's in music, and so we have this kind of similar life, but different, obviously. And so we are all constantly on the road and stuff like that. And we actually just got a tiny bought a little tiny country house in Sweden. So after this job, I'm going to go to Sweden and like get on the tools and yeah. fix up this house that was built in the 1700s that I need to put a roof on. And that's Go full to... manly with it, mate. Rendered brick down the side, <laughs> big uh, you know, infinity pool. The sandcastle. <laughs> you got to do the Russell Crowe and buy the, buy the poor old manly seagulls first. Well, I got to make some cash first. Mm. And then I would love to come in and if, if they needed help, I would... Love nothing more than to be part of that club for the rest of my life. Well, if you listen to the press, um, um, <laughs> which you should, um, always, always listen to the press. Um, that that a few blokes from the Bears, you know, a few of those Lane Cove Aston Martin owners, um, they were going to pony up about four million dollars. Uh, well, they're still sick, sure. For the whole of the Manly Sea Eagles. That's Is a, that how much it costs, mate? Delmar, no, no, it's you buy a quarter acre and freshy for that much, mate. <laughs> It's ten. Footy club. We're worth at least ten. We'd have to be <laughs> worth ten. Nah, they never. They'll never do it. Like they never do it. Like Manly will go public before it goes to the North City Bears. <laughs> we already bought them. Yeah, and that didn't. End what so was well. that? Oh, the the horrific North, hybrid they had. For the Northern that? Eagles. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh god. It was a. It was a. It was a lean year. Well, oh, it was a two years. Well, well on that, Luke. Um, well, all the best to your team. Yeah. All the best to your state. We're just coming up to the top of the hour here. Um, we're getting the hurry on from Murray. We've got Hello Sport on next. Um, but yeah, all the best to your career as well, mate. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, boys. And that was Luke Bracey coming up to the top of the hour. We are out of time. We don't have time to do the mailbag this week. But if you would like the editors, uh, either Clancy or I, to read out one of your letters, answer some of your questions, your queries about life, journalism, the news and other things, please email submissions at com, and we will be sure to make time next week. And until then, I am Errol Parker, and alongside me is Clancy Overall. Uh, until then, you be good to each other, and we'll see you on tomorrow. You be kind to each other. You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of The Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM.
Right now at Honda, find your kind of value with a low finance rate offer on selected Civic hatch and sedan models. There's never been a better time to get into a Civic. So talk to your local dealer and let's help you into a Honda today. T's and C's apply. Ends August 31st. See website for details.